Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going pretty good, Amy, and you are having a good time this week. I, I, I understand. I am, yes. So I'm on the road. You've gotten to have the fun week. I'm here in Nashville doing my job, going to right. work every day. You know, not a bad thing. Right. Enjoying that. But where are you? I am in Rapid City, South Dakota. I'm representing the executive committee, or I was last night at the, as we record this on Friday morning, at the Dakota Baptist Convention. Got to uh, speak just for a few minutes to thank them for their support of the cooperative program and um, of missionaries around the world and, and just update them on some of the resources that we have. They also had gotten to see a video from Dr. Floyd. And so it was just a chance for us to be sort of on the ground, have one of our staff there. And we've got staff going all over the place to annual meetings as there are some that are still happening, depending on the situation and the, and the region. And so I'm here in Rapid City, and it has been fantastic. I'm headed home today, but I have just loved, I've loved it since I got here. That's great. So, yes, um, really great, encouraging meeting last night. They are finishing up with a few things this morning, but a lot of what they were doing uh, was last night. And I know in the coming weeks, we'll have stories on all of those annual meetings. And so I'll maybe even get to share a little bit more about being in the room with some of the uh, conversations they were having. But I was incredibly encouraged by just the spirit that was was here and the heart that these people have for uh, just for the churches everywhere in the region. And especially, you know, they have some challenges that we don't think about as much. Talk about extreme distance between churches, the isolation that folks can feel. And so you really felt how this event is important to them because it's the time they can really come together and and be encouraged. But it was great. And also, Mary came with me. So we've done a little bit of sightseeing. We're just right outside the Black Hills National Forest. So we went and saw Mount Rushmore and have driven around in there um, uh, in the area. So it's it's really been fun. That's cool. That's great. And if you're going to your state convention in your state, be on the lookout for somebody from the executive committee and tell us hi. I know I'll be in Utah, Idaho, as well as West Virginia. A lot of them have been canceled, moved online, or been shortened. And if they've gotten shortened or canceled or anything like that, it's highly likely one of us may not be there. Uh, I say one of us. Right. One of the executive committee people may not be there. But uh, I know I think George is right. going to New Mexico. I think you're supposed to go to South Carolina, maybe, and Virginia's as well. Right. So SBCV, yes. We'll see how those work out. You know, it, it just depends on if they still have them or not. You know, two or three of the ones I was supposed right. to go to got canceled. Two or three of the ones you were supposed to go to got canceled. So. Uh, we just right or abbreviated, yeah. and and we understand yeah, that they can't totally. the, in abbreviated meetings. Basically, if you know if we have a video greeting, that's great because they only have a limited time yeah. to get their business done. Yeah. So there are things that have to take care of that have to be taken care of at those meetings, and we understand that. But uh, next year, we'll hope to see a lot more of you out there as we attend more of these state convention meetings. Hopefully, next year will be kind of a quote unquote normal year, Amy. 
And uh, we've got some news from one of the state conventions we'll get to later in the show. And at these state conventions, we'll probably also be there with some of our friends from over at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, located in Fort Worth. Southwestern is committed to providing theological education for individuals engaging in Christian ministry. Southwestern Seminary offers a variety of degree programs at the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels. Just this year, our friends over at Southwestern launched a new eight-week online class, which means you can begin taking classes as soon as October 19th. It's like a week and a half. So you've got time still to get your information in and start classes at Southwestern, or maybe even finish your degree at Southwestern if you have some from another seminary. If you're interested in taking the next step in your ministry preparation, visit Southwestern's website at swbts.edu to learn more about how you can get started. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. CP. That's right. Cooperative program giving. We've got a a final tally from last year, Amy. We finished our budget year, and this is amazing. We have a final tally of just over $192.9 million given through the cooperative program for national and international Southern Baptist ministries. That is amazing considering COVID-19, the economic issues that we've had this year, and the global pandemic. Yes, just incredible. I'm really amazed. And I was actually talking about this last night and saying that, you know, back in March when this started, none of us really knew what to expect. No. So we were bracing ourselves. We thought we were going to have like $165, million, $175 million CP budget. We were expecting really bad stuff. Yes, we were bracing ourselves for the worst in a sense. And here we are. Um, I'm just, I'm just blown away. I'm delighted. Honestly, yeah. I, I, if you would have told me 192.9 million and change when we first went into lockdown and everything across the country, wouldn't have I believed would have been it. Stunned. I no, no way. And that, folks, this is the crazy thing. This is only like 1.83 percent below budget. So budget was 196.5. So it's just a bit under 3.6 million dollars less than budget, which is astounding. Whenever you start thinking about things and how churches and how ministries have been affected by the economic shutdowns across the country, it just, for us to be at 192.9, I mean, thank you, Southern Baptist. That That's all I've got. Thank you, Southern Baptist. And we've got more good news because Lottie Moon, Amy, the, the year-end total for that, $159.5 million for Lottie Moon. Crazy. Yes. So it has exceeded the goal. Uh, yeah. The goal was 155 million, and this is the second highest offering in history. Just incredible, Man. insane. And I really do think that we're gonna we're gonna beat this next year. I really, I hope we do. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. So 159.5. I know Dr. Chitwood and everybody over at IMB extremely grateful for the generosity of Southern Baptist uh, for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Next year's goal is 175 million to celebrate their 175th anniversary. So you'll be hearing more about that coming probably around the end of the month whenever Lottie Moon Christmas offering season kicks off. You'll also see a big special section in the new SBC Life that you should be getting in your church's mailbox later this month. Uh, I know we talked about that a little bit last week when Amy mentioned it on her resources of the week. So great news from IMB, great news on CP. And I'll also say this is great news on the Annie Armstrong Easter offering front, even though their total came in at $49.3 million. I mean, think about that. Like COVID-19 hit, like the Sunday people were supposed to promote and really push the Annie Armstrong Easter offering in churches. And 
shutdowns across the churches. Churches were closed for, you know, six to eight weeks, some of them, or maybe more. So for them to even come in at 49.3 million, amazing testimony to the generosity and the faithfulness of Southern Baptists. Yeah, we've seen churches do all kinds of things, uh, like we saw at Buck Run Baptist Church. We talked about we talked about that with the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, the drive-by offering. People figured out what to do. Yes, they did. They did. And it's just amazing. So that came out during a NAM trustee meeting this week where they announced that they reduced their budget for next year down to $99.8 million for the fiscal year. They're also going to kind of take a look at it after six months and if they can adjust it upward uh, because of giving and, you know, a, a rise in giving, maybe they will do that. But uh, they're going to be very careful over at NAM this year. And they also noted that they are going to announce a new collegiate evangelism director later in October at the trustee meeting. So they didn't give a name for that, but they did discuss how they are really going to push into uh, collegiate evangelism, Amy. That's really cool to see because, you know, NAM really focusing on next-gen evangelism with Shane Pruitt. They hired him earlier in the year. And then now we got the, um, the the college evangelism thing. So, you know, NAM, a few big buckets that they do, you know, obviously send relief with the IMB. They also, you know, big church planning emphasis, evangelism emphasis, church replanting, Mark Clifton running that. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But, you know, really starting to see everything spin up on these things with NAM. So uh, that's exciting to see. And uh, we'll keep an eye out for that name, bring it to you here on the podcast later in the month. And we have an update, Amy, from Lifeway. Yes. So this is something obviously we were tracking last week, and it seems like it had kind of gone back and forth. Lifeway and Tom Rayner have agreed to settlement terms in the breach of contract lawsuit that had been filed, um, the, or the filing for injunctive relief between the two of them, between the organization itself and Dr. Rayner, who's the former CEO. So, uh, it looks like the agreement was reached on Monday of this week. And there was a jointly released statement said that uh, Dr. Rayner had agreed to honor the terms of his separation agreement, including a non-compete clause, and had agreed not to move forward with his business partnership with Tyndale uh, until the end of the non-compete. So it looks like uh, on all fronts that situation has kind of wrapped up. If anything else were to develop, we would certainly let you know, but that should be the end of it. And we'll keep an eye on that as well, Amy, over to Alaska. So had a development at the Alaska Baptist Convention last week. Amy, walk us through what happened here and uh, kind of the response that came from this. Okay, so we have a Baptist Press story about this. First of all, this is not the only story we will have about the Alaska Baptist Convention annual meeting because we'll be doing some roundups, wrap-ups from all the states, um, including Dakota, where I am, and and other other places. But there was something very specific and emotion that happened. Um, and essentially, the Alaska Baptist Resource Network, which is actually the name of their convention, they moved that beginning with the 2022 budget the percentage of cooperative program funds that traditionally were intended for the North American Mission Board be retained in Alaska and designated for a state missions fund until such time as there is a collaborative, cooperative, and mutually agreed upon strategy with the North, with the North American Mission Board as determined by our executive director and the executive board of the Alaska Baptist Resource Network. Now, 
Um, first of all, this was, I think, a, a difficult situation. Um, the state executive director, Randy Covington, described the action as somber. So that's, you know, how I explain it. And I watched the video of the debate and you could definitely sense that in the room. Um, the, the, the question I think that has arisen and the challenge of this is the way the motion is worded, the language of it would imply that would imply that CP funds are being retained and held back in Alaska, which would mean that they would reach the national level and there would be a negative designation. Um, the difficulty is that the way the cooperative program is designed, once any kind of designation happens from a state to the national level, then it's no longer a cooperative program. Like cooperative program is a very specific undesignated funding mechanism. And so there's a story at Baptist Press that kind of goes into it more. There's some quotes from Dr. Floyd. And essentially you have two issues. One is the sort of difference between the differences between the Alaska Baptist Resource Network and the North American Mission Board in terms of strategy. That's a substantive disagreement. But then there is the question of how to handle it moving forward and what the um, allowances and limitations are of how we handle the cooperative program. So essentially in this motion, it, it, it would be the state attempting to designate the allocation of cooperative program resources. But once yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like the state redefining the allocation, right? Right. right. But once it reaches that national level, the executive committee has to follow the allocation that was set by the messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention. So it, uh, I hope that makes sense, kind of the way I explained it. So it's not, um, it, it's two separate issues. There's the substantive concern, and then there is the action step that is next. And so if Alaska were to move forward with something like this, it would actually it can no longer be considered cooperative programs. So whatever they sent forward, the executive committee would have to allocate it according to the percentages set by the messengers of the SBC. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, this is their, their motion was to begin with the 2022 budget. So this is not something that's happening immediately. Uh, so this is not an issue that is um, immediate, but it certainly is something that has to get figured out. All right. Well, Amy, we will keep an eye out for any updates that may come from this. And also, we do want to remind you that we will have a full breakdown from the annual meeting up in Alaska, just like we have all the other ones. Those are coming soon to Baptist Press. And as soon as they're there, we'll be on here on the podcast. Amy, some news out of Southern California this week. Greg Laurie announced that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, Greg was at a an event at the White House a couple of weeks ago, and we've seen a lot of people that had been at that event test positive. So uh, we want to continue to pray for Greg and his recovery. He did say that he started with some fatigue and then uh, had some aches and pains and a fever and found out that he had COVID-19. So he has said the rest of his family is testing negative and that uh, he's just uh, quarantining, as we would expect, and do be in prayer for Greg Laurie and Harvest Christian Fellowship out there in Riverside. Also, uh, want to be in prayer for Dr. Moore and his family. Dr. Moore announced on Twitter this week that his father had passed away. So Dr. Russell Moore, who leads the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, uh, do want to keep the Moore family 
in our prayers as uh, in the loss of his dad. And we have some kind of housekeeping news from Baptist Press that we announced this week, Amy. Yes. So two staff changes. One is that Lucinda Clark has joined our team as the editor of Baptist Press en Español. So uh, we call that BPEE. But, um, but it's Baptist Press en Español. And then Laura Erlinson, who is no stranger to uh, those who have done work with BP over the years. She has been named BP Managing Editor. So congratulations to both Lucinda and Laura. Laura's been a delight to work with over the past year as I've been at the executive committee, and uh, this is a well-deserved promotion for Laura. And it's exciting to have Lucinda come on because, you know, we've been doing BPE for a while now, and we've I, I don't think we've ever had anybody who was like a fluent Spanish speaker or Hispanic culture expert as like the editor, Lucinda, right? As the editor of it, so uh, that that's a big move for us, and you know, it's something that we're looking forward to, and really looking to expand our coverage in Espanol. So we look forward to great things from Lucinda as well as BPEE. So uh, congratulations to both of them, and that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, you're going to think this is a cool one after the story we just did. Okay. We're going to go to 1965. It's the October 9th issue of Baptist Press. It announced that Spanish Baptists would have their first hymnal containing both words and music in that December. Oh, that's perfectly fitting, Amy. I well know, done. right? Well done. I know. So uh, Joseph Mefford, who is a Southern Baptist missionary from Fort Collins, Colorado, had been working for five years on this project to get it done. He was secretary of church music for the Spanish Baptist mission and said that schools of church music would be possible for the first time when the hymnal was ready, that it's been, it had been impossible in the past because there was no textbook. And uh, essentially it said that Spanish Baptists, that they loved to sing and so they would be able to follow the music that in the past they had a hymn book with only words, but this was, was doing something to really help those who were leading in worship. And they did 450 selections. They took 450 selections in the present hymnal that uh, Baptists were using and added 50 to make 500 selections that he had to actually locate the music for some hymns that had not been sung in 15 years. And so the Spanish Baptist mission had assigned the task to him. So he was doing it on top of his responsibilities as a field missionary. Um, but, and he had no special musical training. He just picked it up and took it on as a project And so for the first time in 1965, Spanish Baptists were going to have their own hymnal. So as we announce our exciting news about BP and Espanol, um, they were also talking about kind of a landmark moment uh, in terms of Spanish translation this week in SBC history in 1965. So Very cool. Yeah. That's great. Well done tying that in, Amy. So that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, I'm going to start with you. Your resource of the week is? All right. So I'm going to do what I do sometimes where I bring these like presidential biographies into into things. And this is one maybe some of our listeners have read or heard about. Uh, it's about six years old, but it is kind of the definitive biography on Calvin Coolidge written by Amity Schles. It was uh, published in 2014, but... Calvin Coolidge is on um, is is on our minds here as we are hanging out in Rapid City. Rapid City is known as the city of the presidents because 
Um, of course, Mount Rushmore is here. And so that's, uh, keeps, you know, the, the American presidents on people's minds. But in 1927, Calvin Coolidge and his wife, Grace, wanted to vacation somewhere in the Midwest and South Dakota put the full court press on with a big invitation. And so they came here and vacation in the Black Hills and it was supposed to be a three week vacation. They ended up staying here three months and he set up his office in the local high school and actually ran the country from this area. So it was called the Summer White House. And the the area has really embraced this whole sort of connection with the presidents. There's statues of all the American presidents downtown. And Mary and I were seeing those yesterday. And then we were driving around where the Coolidge's had vacationed. So they really own it here. Um, and so I just thought, you know what? I'm going to share my favorite uh, biography of Calvin Coolidge. Or I'm, you know what? I'm going to share the best biography of Calvin Coolidge. So if you haven't checked out that president, you should. Awesome. Very cool. And by the way, and by the way, his wife, Grace, is my favorite first lady. Okay. Yep. I I didn't know that, but Barbara is going to write you a letter about that, by the way. Barbara is right up there. She's like my second favorite, but Grace Coolidge is my favorite. So it's been kind of cool walking around in the places where she hung out. They brought all their animals, including her pet raccoon, Rebecca, that she carried around in a basket. So that little... Added piece of trivia was free. So I'm not supposed to find it shocking at all that the girl from Tennessee's favorite first lady is the one that carried around a pet raccoon in a basket. Nope, you're not. Okay. All right. Because I'm not. Not surprised one bit. Okay. My resource of the week is a new replant cohort that's starting in January. So Mark Clifton with the North American Mission Board, as well as uh, the guys over at Practical Shepherding, that's Brian Croft and those guys up there in Louisville. They partnered together for an online cohort for replanting and revitalizing pastors. So if you're a pastor and you're revitalizing or you're doing a replant or something like that, you need to be a part of this cohort. It's free. It's online. It's a 40-week curriculum crafted by Brian Croft as well as with Mark Clifton. Look, these guys are great. This is a fantastic free resource for churches, for church pastors, and you really need to get involved. There's a link in the story over at Baptist Press for the next 40-week cohort, which starts in January. Uh, The current one is kind of wrapping up later this month, but uh, you you really need to be a part of this if you're a pastor in a replant or revitalization situation. It's going to help you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to help you build community. So I highly, highly recommend anything that Mark Clifton's involved with, number one, but also Brian Croft up there at Auburndale Baptist in Louisville and uh, the guys at Practical Shepherding. So do check that out if you're a pastor of a church doing revitalization or replanting, or if you're just looking for something, you know, every church needs revitalization at some point, right? So it's online, it's free, it's a Zoom call type thing. I mean, come on, uh, it, it, this is this is a no-brainer if I'm a pastor of any size church in any situation. So uh, be a part of that. Check it out over at uh, Baptist Press. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. So a fantastic thing. And like like I said, anything Mark Clifton's involved in, be a part of it because that man, he is gold. So I'm a big Mark Clifton fan. Um, got to hang out with him a lot when I was working with Dr. Rayner doing the, uh, the Revitalize and Replant podcast. So uh, Mark is fantastic. You don't want to miss this. So check it out. The Replant Cohort 
in partnership with the North American Mission Board. So uh, check that out. And that's my resource of the week. All right. All right, Amy, that's going to do it for our show this week. Do want to remind everybody that this Sunday is Global Hunger Relief Sunday. Yes. So globalhungerrelief.org. That's globalhungerrelief.org. You can find out more about that. You can give online if you want to do that. You can give through the local church this weekend. It's Global Hunger Relief Sunday in Southern Baptist churches this week. So don't forget that. Do help out. Uh, I just saw this morning, Friday when we record this, the Nobel Peace Prize was given to a global hunger fund. Uh, not not ours, not the Southern Baptist one, but the one for the United Nations. But it just shows that, I mean, the they, need. They won, it highlights yeah, the need. They, that shows the need and shows the work that people are doing in this area. And Southern Baptists need to be a part of that through the Global Hunger Relief offering this weekend in our churches. And uh, you can give online if you want as well over at globalhungerrelief.org. That's going to do it for our show this week. Amy, see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.